Hello, and welcome to the next in our series of podcasts on data protection issues for businesses. This session will discuss the impact of Article 27 of the UK GDPR, in fact, both the UK and the EU GDPR, uh, and how that impacts on businesses which deal with customers and suppliers in territories where they don't have a business establishment. So if a UK business acts as a processor of data of EU data subjects, it will need to appoint a representative within the EU. And the reverse is true for EU businesses processing personal data of UK data subjects. However, there are a lot of very uh, of unanswered questions about how this will work. So my name is Patrick Wheeler, and I head the data privacy and intellectual property teams at Collier Bristow. And I'm joined by Rhiannon Thompson, a trainee in our team who spent some considerable time looking into Article 27 questions. Um, Rhiannon, can you give us a little background, please, on why and how the EU version of GDPR still has effect in the UK after the end of the Brexit transition period? Yes. So, um, in fact, the EU GDPR has always had an effect outside the EU ever since its implementation. Uh, and this is because businesses located outside the EU, but who deal with individuals based inside the EU, need to comply with the EU's GDPR. And obviously, that now includes UK businesses. And um, specifically, Article 3.2 of the regulation tells us that it, i.e. the regulation, applies to non-EU-based data controllers or processors who offer goods and services to data subjects in the EU or who monitor data subjects' behaviour to the extent that that behaviour takes place in the EU. And you can imagine that there are a significant number of businesses that would fall into that category. Uh, UK-based manufacturers, service providers, and, and even sports teams are some obvious examples, um, although the obligation does not, in fact, extend to public bodies. And, and turning to our topic for today specifically, as you've mentioned, Patrick, Article 27 of the regulation requires that any organisations like this must appoint in a representative in the union, and, and that appointment must be made in writing. And uh, as, as you've also noted, Patrick, uh, it's, it's worth saying there is a mirror provision in the UK GDPR such that non-UK countries uh, or organisations will also have to appoint a UK data representative in the same sort of way. Okay, so that's become becoming a little bit clearer. Um, can you now say a little bit more about the circumstances in which a UK company would need to appoint a representative in the EU? Yes, uh, there are actually some exceptions and, and there is some guidance available about when an organisation will be deemed to be offering goods and services in the EU. Just pausing there for a second. So the guidance, is that on the ICO website? Um, the, the main guidance is the uh, from on the um, European Data Protection Board website, right. I think. Yeah. But I think you can probably get there from the ICO website. Okay. Um, so, yes, sort of thinking about the exceptions, first of all, the requirement to appoint a representative doesn't apply to an organisation that has an existing branch or office within, within the EU, as they already have an establishment within the union, effectively. But if that exemption doesn't apply, then an organisation needs to think a bit more carefully about the activities it undertakes to see if the regulation and the requirements will apply to them. 
And there is quite a lot of guidance available about this, as we've referred to. But really, the key question is, does the organisation have an intent to target as customers data subjects who are based in the EU? And the intention is really the key. So if a customer is incidentally located in the EU at the time when they receive or access a service, then that would not come under the scope of the regulation. And an example like this that the um, EDPB guidance talks about is uh, an Australian mobile news service, which is offered exclusively to Australian customers. And if such a customer received an update from that service at a point when they happened to be in the EU, that would simply be deemed inadvertent. And so the regulation wouldn't apply to the service provider in those circumstances. But on the other hand, if organisations are offering goods and services in an EU language or in an EU currency, or they're offering delivery in an EU member state, that does indicate an, an intent to target EU data subjects as customers. So on the face of it, the regulation and then the specific obligation to appoint a representative would apply. Um, there are some further exemptions. To, to that requirement to appoint a representative, however, um, such as for organisations where the data processing is only occasional or it doesn't include large-scale special category data and is of low risk or deemed to be of low risk to individuals' rights. And public bodies are also exempt, as, as we've, we've already mentioned. So I, th I think what you can see is that it's not always a straightforward decision as to whether the regulation and the associated requirements will apply to any one organisation and its activities. So I think if in doubt, uh, best advice is probably to talk to a data protection expert. And if having considered all the issues quite carefully, you reach the decision that you don't actually need to appoint a representative and the requirement doesn't apply to your business, it's a good idea to document that decision and the reasons for for it. Absolutely, yes. So having a good audit trail is 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 crucial yeah. if there's any um, uh, concern or issue in the future. Okay, so that that I think is is now a lot clearer. We've talked about appointing representatives. So who could you appoint as a representative? Okay, so the representative can be an individual or a company or an organisation with an establishment in the EU and who is able to represent the appointing organisation, your business. So, for example, a professional services firm, such as a law firm, could take on that particular role. And uh, one point to bear in mind is that the representative should be located in a state where the relevant data subjects are also located as in the data subjects being targeted. And if those data subjects are located in more than one EU state, uh, you should ensure that the representative is accessible to them. And really, the easiest way to comply with that requirement is to make sure you include the details of the representative organisation clearly within your own organisation's privacy notice and probably make them readily available on your website. So it's, it's clear to all. Yes, indeed. Yes. Um, so we now know um, the sorts of people who can be appointed. Uh, what's the process? How do you actually go about appointing a representative? Well, as I, think, as I think we've mentioned, the regulation requires that the actual appointment is made in writing and it's recommended and advised that a contract should be drawn up between the parties, i.e. the appointer and the appointee. And that contract should really consider what services it is that the 
the data representative or the EU representative is going to provide any relevant payments, probably importantly, confidentiality and other compliance matters, as well as liability issues and insurance. And the appointed representative should also be capable of responding to any queries from regulatory bodies, supervisory authorities in any of the EU states. So the ability for them to be able to function professionally in multiple languages is also quite important. Yes. Okay. Now, um, appointing a representative, any kind of representative, obviously involves a bit of a sharing of risk. Um, so what, what's the position there? What, what obligations does a representative actually have? Well, the, the regulation itself specifies two core ob- obligations for the representative. The first is to maintain a record of the data processing activities that the appointing organisation, i.e. the overall data controller, is responsible for. And the second obligation is to cooperate with the relevant supervisory authority or or authorities in the relevant EU state or states. So it's important, therefore, that the appointing organisation should keep their representative up to date and ensure that the relevant information that they're supplying to them is accurate. But importantly, the the representative is not responsible for ensuring that its appointing organisation fundamentally complies with the rights of the data subjects as outlined in the regulation. That sort of fundamentally remains the responsibility of the actual data controller, the appointing organisation. So so the majority of the risk still effectively lies with um, whoever is actually appointing representative rather than shifting to the representative. Yes. Um, so so in relation to data breaches or, or any sort of other similar regulatory issues that arise, w- what is the position on liability? So as we've just been talking about that, the overall responsibility for ensuring data subjects' rights are upheld does remain with that appointing organisation. And as, as that implies, the liability of the representatives is really limited to their specific obligations under the regulations that we've just discussed, which are sort of relatively limited. And this was the view sur- suggested by some of the original guidance from the EU on the topic. And it was confirmed recently um, in a UK high court decision, actually in June uh, of this year, 2021, so that was the case of Sanso Rondon and Lexus Nexus Risk. And in, in that case, the court struck out the claimant's claim on the basis that it had been brought against the wrong defendant. And on the facts of this case, Lexus Nexus were acting as the Article 27 representative of a US based company. And the judge held that the GDPR did not and could not create representative liability. So the court determined that the claim should have actually been brought against the appointing company and not its appointed representative. Uh, And that particular decision was very widely reported, actually, and it was welcome providing some clarity on this point. Um, However, it does remain possible that an EU court, this was a UK decision, could take a different view in the future. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that develops over time. Yes, absolutely. And and thank you very much, Rhiannon. Um, Yes, it does indeed look like um, the exact interpretation of these various requirements is something that the courts are going to need to work out, courts both here and in the EU. 
um, and the relevant regulatory bodies will also no doubt have some, some input into that over the coming months and years. Uh, so we'll be keeping a close eye on those developments. The, the obligation to appoint representatives hasn't actually received a lot of publicity. And I, you know, I think I'm probably right in saying that a lot of businesses may still be unaware of it. Uh, it is, however, a very important uh, requirement that businesses do that. They do appoint a representative if they meet the criteria under Article 27. Uh, and a failure to do so could actually result in a fine of up to 10 million uh, euros or 2% or, um, of worldwide group annual turnover for a breach of the UK, uh, sorry, of the EU GDPR, or a fine of up to 8.7 million pounds or 2% of worldwide group annual turnover for a breach of the UK GDPR. Uh, if you've got any questions on this um, or, or not sure whether your company may or may not need to appoint a representative, then please do get in touch. The Colleen Bristow team is very happy to advise on whether or not you, you do need to appoint a representative, how to manage that process, and indeed to make some recommendations as to who you might want to appoint. So I hope you found this podcast both interesting and thought-provoking. Uh, if, you, if you have, then please feel free to leave some feedback. And I hope you join us for some further podcasts on data protection issues for businesses. Uh, but for now, it's thank you very much for listening and goodbye from me and goodbye from Rhiannon. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you.